Princess Anna? Huh? Princess yeah. Anna? Yeah? Sorry to me. No, 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 no. There has been an awakening. Have you felt it? That's so creepy, by the way. <laughs> uh, well, what is going on? Am I at church or am I in a theater? I don't know. Why are we watching movies uh, when we should be doing church stuff? What's going on? Uh, well, turn with me to Acts chapter 17 and let's find out. I'm so glad you asked that question how things in our culture relate to the Bible. That's actually a trailer from um, a youth camp, a weekend camp, that I, I preached some, uh, some years ago. And I combined all these movies, uh, made them little sermons with clips, with movie clips, just like we did at the movies here some years ago. And so that's what that was from. But you'll see, it's going to come back around. We're in Acts chapter 17, and we're going to see Paul this morning. What's he doing? He is reaching the world uh, that he is around by using the things that are in the world around him. He's reaching this Greek culture uh, that he's at in Acts 17 at the time. And he's... he's oh, somebody's reading it. Uh, we got... Uh, sorry. I thought, somebody, I thought the guy was going uh, laughing again. <laughs> Whatever. Kind of Halloween-y sounding. So he's building a bridge between the Greek culture around him and he's, he's viewing the culture around him with, through the lens of Jesus and saying, hey, this is what you guys are doing. Let me use those things that you already know about, that you're already familiar with, and use that uh, as a way to point you to Jesus. Let me find uh, the, the spiritual truths and the things that you're already worshiping, the things that you're already about, that you do in your daily lives. Let me... Take the elements of those things and find some deeper spiritual truths. Now, for us, uh, some churches can think that all new things are evil. Some churches think that new technology uh, is bad just in and of itself, not a tool that can be used for good or bad, uh, and that you know the culture shouldn't step foot in the church at all. We should still be. Uh, we should not use screens. Some churches uh, believe that we shouldn't use instruments. Some churches believe that. Um, 
you know, pews versus chairs or, or structure of the building. Different churches and people have different opinion. But taking Paul's example, we've got the internet around us. Should we use the internet for good and God's glory? Or should we just avoid it like the plague and pretend like it doesn't exist? We're going to use it. We're going to have a website. We're going to have church, Troyview, social media. We're going to have a YouTube page. We're going to have Facebook. We're going to have all these things. I don't do the TikTok-y stuff. But we're going to do uh, so much of the social media and the internet because that's where people are today. That's where our culture is. So we want to engage our culture where they're at. Things they're already thinking about. Movies and books and uh, whatever people are into. Music. We can use those things to point people to Jesus um, to show how we can see little snippets. You know, you take a song, you take a, a lyric and say, oh, look, they're, uh, they're looking for uh, purpose. They're looking for meaning. You know, where do you think meaning comes from? Or a romance song or uh, a movie about, gosh, so many movies with the, the, the hero, let's say Bilbo Baggins or um, Luke Skywalker. You know, they're like, come from nothing. And then they're the one to save the world. Like, does that sound like a familiar story? It's, it's Jesus. It's just, uh, our culture repeats all these stories and so many scriptural things they, they just steal from. Uh, ideas from the Bible, stories as, as old as time about creation and Jesus and all these things happening. And they call him Gandalf instead of Jesus. But it's very, very similar um, what our culture does drawing ideas, and so what we do is we, we take a look back, we uh, want to view the world through a Jesus lens, and we take what's in our culture, and we can look at it through that lens, and uh, help shine the light of Jesus into areas that people are already thinking about. They're already going to see movies, they're already listening to music, they're already watching sports, and so we can do illustrations or, or speak to people in certain ways to get their attention uh, that are still godly, and we're not being exactly like the culture, but we are being Jesus uh, missionaries in the culture. Oh, hi, Grandma Debbie. She just came to join us. Uh, that's my mother-in-law. And I won't tell you any stories about her because that could take a much longer time. They're all good. They're all good. So some people have, uh, have sort of wondered here at Troyview, you know, Pastor Dan, he's kind of weird. Debbie, you would agree with that. Yes, amen. Uh, why is he doing these crazy illustrations? I don't understand why he puts on a costume or puts on a hat. And why are we doing uh, these series? It doesn't make sense. This is not church stuff. Why are we doing the gospel according to Dr. Seuss? You know, why are we doing uh, at the movies? Those are movies and those don't have anything to do with Jesus. Well, the truth is everything has to do with Jesus. Everything, uh, well, almost everything can point back to Jesus and why, why do our church camps, why are we doing superheroes at camp? Why are we doing Legos? We're talking about Legos all week at camp. Why did that, what does anything about Legos have to do with Jesus? Oh, a lot, actually. And you should come next year to Summit and volunteer if you can. Seize the day is the theme. And that's a pun. But Legos, building, encourage one another, build each other up, uh, how God made us, like... We can take these elements in our culture, do something that's familiar with the kids, do something that's familiar with adults, and make our brains go, oh, okay, I see that in a new light. I see that through a new lens. I uh, don't always agree with you know, certain movies, but we can take elements from these movies and talk to people where they're at. Not just movies, not just books, not just camps, but everything in life. We want to do our best 
to what we're going to get to in a little bit, Paul says, be all things to all people so that he might save some. Be all things to all people. Meet people where they're at. Meet unchurched people where they're at. We live in a very, very visual world. I don't know if you know this. (laughs) I think you do. Because statistics are, we check our screens how many thousands of times a day. And notifications and TVs and billboards and everything is just coming at us. So much information. Uh, we live in a very, very visual world. So let's, let's share Jesus with the world. Try to do it in a, a visual way that they can understand. That we can speak to our culture in the language that they speak. Not just English. I'm not talking English. So that would be helpful for me to not speak to Kai or Carter in Arabic or something. They wouldn't understand it. And I don't know it. No habla espanol, right? But to speak to our culture in a language that they understand, English, of course, here in America, although learning Spanish may be helpful in the years to come. Uh, there are Spanish, lots of Spanish churches popping up and uh, people who need Jesus too and in many different languages. But let's reach our culture um, in the, the language and the cultural context that they already are, using things that are created by people to show them a picture of the Creator. Because we all have this thing inside of us. Dr. Seuss, you know, he wrote, and we're going to do more Dr. Seuss next year, so buckle up. But he wrote, you know, Horton, here's a who. And what was that? Uh, a person is a person, no matter how small. Like, wow, that speaks so much to our world today and to the uh, abortion issue and the sanctity of life. And we can use these things uh, in life to explain who God and Jesus are and what they've done in our world. So, we don't want to be exactly like the culture, right? Uh, we want to be in the world, but not of the world. That's what Jesus says in John chapter 17. In the world, but not of the world. We don't want to live and talk and think exactly like the culture. But we are here. We do exist in the culture, not outside of it. So we want to use these things that are all around us to help people know the gospel. To be like, I don't know, Paul. To be like Jesus, the ultimate missionaries who took stock of the world around and they talked to different people differently, didn't they? Jesus and Paul. And they're sharing good news uh, in different ways, speaking to people's different needs depending on their situation getting them in different ways, but all to share the gospel. It's called contextualization. Contextualization is a big word. It just means uh, meeting people where they're at. Meet people right where they are. Uh, We don't have to speak high, holy, religious church language. We can just talk to people in our normal voices and in our normal language and using the things around us to communicate the message of Jesus. And we do always want to remember that the methods change. The methods that we use to reach people are going to change. They should change because people, um, our our brains change. We live in a digital world now. Uh, You can't pastor or, or do a church or minister quite like you did in the 1950s. Many things are different. Many things are different from the 1600s. We actually, we have books now and Bibles. And back then they didn't even have the Bible until they, the Gutenberg press printed it. So, Throughout the thousands of years, the methods do change for us to reach people. But the message, the message of Jesus should never change. The methods change, but the methods stay the same. And so remember that as we read this and see Paul leveraging aspects of his culture 
Not just to be exactly like the Greeks or the Romans or the uh, people he was there with, but to speak to the culture in a way that they would get it. That's what we're doing. Acts chapter 17. Pick up where we left off last week. We're going to read this section. Acts uh, chapter 17. Look at verse 16. Now while Paul was waiting for them at Athens, his spirit was provoked within him as he saw that the city was full of idols. So we reasoned in the synagogue with the Jews and the devout persons and in the marketplace every day with those who happened to be there. Some of the Epicurean and Stoic philosophers who conversed with him. And some said, what does this babbler wish to say? Others said he seems to be a preacher of foreign divinities because he was preaching Jesus and the resurrection. Verse 19. And they took him and brought him to the Areopagus. How do you say that? Areopagus. Saying, we may know what this new teacher, excuse me, may we know what this new teacher is that you are presenting. For some bring some strange things to our ears. We wish to know, therefore, what these things mean. Now all the Athenians and the foreigners who lived there would spend their time in nothing except telling or hearing something new. Verse 22. So Paul, standing in the midst of the Areopagus, said, Men of Athens, I perceive that in every way you are very religious. Give him credit. Verse 23. For as I passed along and observed the objects of your worship, I found also an altar with this inscription, to the unknown God. What therefore you worship as unknown, this I proclaim to you, the God who made the world and everything in it, being Lord of heaven and earth, does not live in temples made by man, nor is he served by human hands, as though he needed anything, since he himself gives to all mankind life and breath and everything. And he made from one man every nation of mankind to live on the face of the earth, having determined allotted periods and the boundaries of their dwelling place, that they should seek God in the hope that they might feel their way toward Him and find Him. Yet He is actually not far from each one of us. For in Him we live and move and have our being. That's a quote from their philosophers. And even some of your own poets have said, for we are indeed His offspring. Another quote. Verse 29, being then God's offspring, we ought not to think that the divine being is like gold or silver or stone, an image formed by the art and imagination of man. Verse 30, the times of ignorance God overlooked, but now he commands all people everywhere to repent because he has fixed a day on which he will judge the world in righteousness by a man whom he has appointed. And of this, he has given assurance to all by raising him from the dead. Hell, you praise God. Amen. Verse 32, now when they heard of resurrection of the dead, some mocked, but others said, we will hear you again about this. So Paul went out from their midst, but some men joined him and believed, among whom also were Dionysus, the Aragape, and a woman named Damaris, and others with them. Thus ends the reading of God's word this morning. Do you think that Paul watered down the message of the gospel uh, to these people who, who weren't familiar with him? No. Did, did he leave out the part about repenting of their sins, uh, of leaving their idols, and turning to Jesus? No. He was very strong, very, um, I mean, some would say judgmental, but he told them the truth, but in a way that they could understand. He quoted their poets. He quoted their philosophers. You know, back then, in, in Greek, this was people like uh, Socrates and Aristotle, or Socrates, if you enjoy that movie. Uh, Socrates, right? Quoting these people, 
he's preaching up, up on this um, hill, and you can look down, you can see all these stone statues, you can see all these idols made to other gods. And he's like, visual aid, you guys look around, see all these statues, see all these idols that you're making, and here's one, your inscription, not mine, says to an unknown God. And he's like, okay, I got it. Let me tell you about that unknown God because I know him. You say you don't, but I want to fill in the gaps for you. Let me use what you have. Let me use what you're thinking about. Let me use what you're already doing and speak into that uh, the life of Jesus. This is an unknown God, but I know who he is. Um, why did he do that? Because Paul knew, if you take a note, it's the only thought today, that we must learn to speak the language in order to reach the culture. We must learn to speak the, the language of the culture in order to reach the culture. Not just Greek or Hebrew, uh, but like I said, not just English, but like the way that people think. And uh, Paul and Jesus, they're, they're missionaries, aren't they? They're, they're speaking the language. They're, they're following many customs and traditions. They're um, talking to people, meeting them where they're at, meeting people with different philosophies and ideas and ideologies. And, and uh, Nancy... Yeah, I'm just, yeah, what's up? I was going to say it. I think that was a better approach than, than running out there and busting all their statues. You know, oh, right, right. If they had done that, I think they would not have been, would not have taken Paul, them. Yeah, Paul could have taken a sledgehammer with him yeah. to uh, Athens and said, Oh, you got a, you got a God, you got a God, you got a God. Uh, gone, gone, gone. And then he would have been mobbed and killed, you know. But he didn't take a sledgehammer. Now, some churches, we can take a sledgehammer approach and say, you listen to music, well, that is of the devil. Rock music is of the devil, right? And playing cards and dancing, that's of the devil. And uh, all, all these things, you know, uh, movies, and they said, you can't watch any R-rated movies. That's, that's evil. Until the Passion of the Christ came out. And they said, okay, okay, we, you can watch one R-rated movie. So we're, we're judging the, the culture, and we're saying, taking a sledgehammer to everything, now we do have to be discerning. We don't want to just consume every movie and let it uh, influence us more than we influence the culture. That, that is, can be the hard part. But you're right, Nancy. Paul didn't take a sledgehammer to this stuff. He's like, hey, this is where you are. Let me meet you where you are. And then we'll go from there. Kind of a genius approach. But it's a missionary approach. Missionary approach. Um, and that's exactly what Jesus did. He spoke into people's contexts. Do you think of yourself as a missionary? Some people say, I'm an evangelist. I'm a this. I'm a missionary. I am bishop, pastor, elder. Blah, blah, blah. And you're like, oh, I'm not that. Do you think of yourself as a missionary? Shall we take a vote? Yes, you think of yourself as a missionary. Raise your hand. You see yourself as a missionary. And don't just do it because you know that's the answer that I want. Okay, put your hands down. Raise your hand. No, I'm not, I'm not a missionary. I don't, I don't think. Oh, you know what I'm trying to do. Okay. So, we, we say in our minds, sometimes we don't feel like missionaries, right? In our heart, in our mind. But we're not over in Africa necessarily. We think of missionaries like that oftentimes. But before a missionary ever goes to Africa, we've got to first go across the street. And that's the hard part about being a missionary is to reach the city, the neighborhood that we are in right now. 
right now, Carter, to reach Anna for Jesus, to reach our schools, to reach our work, our, our family, our friends, to reach our communities, the places that we go, that we frequent. We are missionaries. And when we, when we change our mindset, see, it's all about perspective and attitude, right, Rachel? Our perspectitude, that's her book she's writing called Perspectitude. It'll be out uh, later in a few decades. But uh, our perspectitude, she's work, she wants to get it right. Uh, she is, really, but kids, you know, right? Uh, take up some time. So our perspectitude... How we think, how we view ourselves and the people around us changes everything. So now we're waiting in line and we're looking at a screen just checking our email or scrolling Facebook or TikTok or whatever. But maybe instead we put that away and I'm preaching myself. We put that away and we look at the people around us and we go, I am a missionary right here. Who can I encourage? Who can I introduce myself to? Who else is not looking at a screen and is looking up and I can make eye contact with and just talk to them. Hey, how's your day going? You know, what you think about this or that? Uh, do we view the people around us as our mission field? See, because we should. This is where God has planted us. This is where God has put us for His glory and the good of others. Not just here at Troy View Church one hour a week. We have a mission. Like Paul, wherever we go, whatever we are doing, the world around us Everybody is our mission field. Starting at home, if you have kids at home, that is our first ministry. And that can be hard when you see people all day or you have a familiarity with them. Our, our families are our first ministry. And then it goes out from there. The people at our work. you know, uh, Before we go across the world, we got to first go across the cubicle to the other person. And in a way that you know, maybe doesn't get us fired, uh, reach out to them. See, Nancy was talking about Paul didn't go with a sledgehammer to him. We, we go with love, and we go with grace, and we reach people where they're at, and we don't go, turn or burn, right? And then the guy in the cubicle next to us goes, ah, what, what are you doing? That's not a way to engage lovingly, graciously the culture around us. Did Paul preach repentance? Absolutely. Did Paul preach you need to lead, turn from your sin and be forgiven and follow Jesus? Do you need to repent of these false gods? Yeah, he did. But after he was engaging with them, and, and he did it with compassion and kindness, just like um, Jesus did. But Paul knew he talked to Jewish fishermen differently than he talked with uh, Jewish leaders and uh, religious teachers differently than he talked to Greek philosophers. He's using their interests and their worldviews what they're doing, what they're thinking in their life as a jumping off point to reveal who the true God was. And um, he starts off, it's kind of funny, it's almost like he's buttering them up. Like, I, I noticed you guys are very religious. Wow, that's great. Sort of like, I see what you're doing. And this is building a bridge, maybe. I see what you're doing. I appreciate what you're doing. You're a little off. Let, let me course correct you, but hey, I see you're very religious. He's complimenting them. Maybe we can start off with a compliment to somebody instead of, if you die tonight, or, you know, that kind of stuff. It doesn't really draw people in with love and grace, but like start off with a compliment. Um, start off just acknowledging who they are. But Paul plays this very well. And in our, in our minds, we might be going, this is great for Paul. This is great for Jesus. 
I'm not Jesus. I'm not Paul. Uh, I can't evangelize like they do. You're right, you're not Paul. You're different. And you have a different cultural context. But we're all called to be missionaries and to establish common ground with people. Maybe the common ground you could establish with people is the Buckeyes. Just, I saw a guy with a shirt yesterday, a Buckeye shirt, a boo at the zoo. We were in Columbus. And I didn't evangelize to him. He was at the candy table. He passed out candy at boo at the zoo. But I said, oh, you're dressed as a Buckeye fan. And he's like, well, well, yeah, I guess I kind of am. And I said, are, are you usually a Michigan fan? And he's like, oh, no, 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 no. He did not like that. <laughs> but I was joking with him. I was trying to just take whatever you can find and establish common ground. That's called building relationships with people. That's called starting, uh, right, just meeting people where they are at. If they're wearing Nike shoes and Nike socks and Nike sh- uh, pants and Nike shirts, you know, maybe you start talking about Nike together and, and uh, you know, talk about shoes and what kind of shoes do you think Jesus wore. I don't know. Connecting things to back to uh, the gospel. Yeah, Nancy? Um, well, some of us that are older and have a little trouble lifting things. Okay. Um, I was going to suggest like guys like Carter and Kai. This is one of the best things you can do. Oh, oh, if somebody oh, oh. is in a mobility chair and they maybe could use a little help with getting their stuff up on the conveyor belt for the oh I'd like at the grocery store okay I, when I can I turn around and help the person behind me if mm-hmm. they're in a situation like that okay. and because um, quite often if you've got a thing of milk a gallon heavy of milk, you know, mm-hmm. you that. Mm-hmm. and there was a guy behind me with no legs and mm. I you know he had he was in his chair and then he had a cart that he was using and uh, I said to him, I should ask before I do this, but I just picked his things up and put up <laughs> You didn't run off with him. That was good. No, yeah. he, no he, was, he was fine yeah. with it. But I thought, well, he's in a, he's, mm. it doesn't have leverage, you know, to get that gallon mm-hmm. of milk up there. Mm-hmm. So, That's good. Anyway, Always looking. That looking for open doors, Nancy. Hey. So we're, we're looking around, and this is a great uh, door opener to people. Seeing needs and helping to meet needs. Strong, young, handsome men like Kai and Carter. And they're going around with their muscles, you know, ripping out of their shirt here, the Nike shirts, right? And there's a guy behind him in the scooter, like you said. And can I help you get your stuff on the conveyor belt? Like easy, right? But if we're not looking for that, if we're looking down at our screen, we don't see that stuff. We don't see needs that we can help. And when you start helping people where they are at, with a need, maybe that opens the door to a larger conversation. Did you want to share something? I saw a hand go up over here. Yeah, no? Okay. <laughs> if you do, please do. Um, just meeting people where they're at. Maybe it's a hobby you're both interested. You can see you know, you're, you're kayaking together or you're fishing. You see another person fishing or you see another person um, driving a really cool motorcycle that you like or a car or a sporty thing or I don't know. They've got some jewelry or hairdo or shirt or outfit and you're like, I like that dress. You know, maybe woman to woman would probably be better uh, than man to a woman if you're married, you know, specifically. But those shoes, you know, they're amazing, ladies. And I, where'd you get that purse from? And just opening conversations. Those might not be great openers for you guys over here uh, unless you want to date to homecoming. You know, you never know. It could help. Maybe, maybe you open up talking about things at uh, work or, or life or kids. they got kids running around screaming at the grocery store line and you got kids that are throwing tantrums and you're like, kids, right? You know? 
uh, <laughs> it happens. But you can relate to other people with food, maybe even politics. Gosh, I don't. That could be an interesting topic with some folks. But you can. Uh, are we building relationships? Seeing where people are at, listening, listening to what they have to say. We're not just talking at them. We want to talk with them. Paul talked with them. It says uh, at the end of this here. But others said, we will hear you again about this. You better believe Paul left that and he's having conversations with people after his speech. You know, he's talking with people. They wanted to know more. Are we, are we maybe putting ourselves in other people's shoes? What are they going through? Trying to understand the situations that people are in and how we can help and, and show love to the person. Um, maybe... Uh, just sort of naturally bring up, hey, you know, God's doing this in my life, or where are you at with Jesus, or to try to bring some spiritual things into the conversation. Maybe, maybe drop some of the church words. You don't have to ask them if they believe in penal substitutionary atonement, you know, Jesus dying on the cross in a place for our sins. Uh, they might not understand those big churchy words. We can just talk real with people. We can just have a conversation. I'm just Dan, and you're just Carter, and we can just talk. We can just talk. Like, like two normal uh, people, but talk as somebody that we have the light of Jesus inside of us. And I want you to know him too. Because he's changed my life today. And he's changed my life forever. And if I can speak into your life uh, a little bit of that encouragement and that hope, then that, that makes all the difference for people. I know it can seem daunting, <laughs> can't it? Ugh, I'm a missionary. Everybody around me. Uh, Needs to know Jesus. But, but that's a calling. And that's the goal. And we're not going to hit the goal or, or the target every time. But Zig Ziglar said, if you aim for nothing, you'll hit it every time. That's a good one to remember. Write that down. If you aim for nothing, you'll hit it every time. So if you're like, oh, not me. I'm not going to talk to people. Well, then you'll never talk to people, right? And, and you won't have many conversations like that. But if you aim for something, we'll get there. Well, we can try to contextualize. That's not... Making Jesus relevant because he's already relevant, but showing people how relevant he already is without compromising on the truth. Now, there's, there's some dangers here, guys. There's over-contextualizing and under-contextualizing. So, over-contextualizing is where in an attempt to reach the culture, we lo lose all the things uh, that make us Christian and we just become like the culture. So we you know, support things and all, all the things that the culture supports and sort of strip away and lose the things that make us a follower of Jesus. We don't want to do that. We're called to be in the world, but not of the world. So we're here, but we don't follow all your banners or, or that kind of thing. Uh, we're not just believing everything that you do, following everything that you do. That's over-contextualizing. Under-contextualizing is where the church views everything is bad and dangerous and is to be avoided. And we're going to stay in our holy huddle. We're going to stay in our Christian bubble. And we're just not going to go out. And we're just not going to look. And we're going to hoard the gospel to ourselves. And we're not going to share because those people are bad, 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 bad. And we're retreating from the world. We're hiding. We're isolating. We don't want to do that. So don't over-contextualize and be exactly like the world around us because we're called to be different. We are. But don't underdo it. And just say, I'm going to avoid everybody and everything. Maybe if you're a, an introvert, you kind of have that <laughs> disposition. I'm just going to avoid everybody. I don't want to talk to anybody. But you know what? God has called us to start being missionaries. Start small. Work your way up. I want to just read one last verse before we close uh, from Paul. 
He powerfully showed us how to do this, and I, and I love this. And I read the, um, the message version this week, and I was like, oh, that's really neat. Uh, it's in your notes, but you can read it later. 1 Corinthians chapter 9, Paul says, Even though I am free of the demands and expectations of everyone, even though I'm free, I have voluntarily become a servant to any and all in order to reach a wide range of people, religious, non-religious, meticulous moralists, loose-living immoralists, the defeated, the demoralized, whoever. I didn't take on their way of life. That's important. I kept my bearings in Christ, my foundation, but I entered their world. And I tried to experience things from their point of view. This is, I just love it. Terrific stuff by Paul. I become, he says, just about every sort of servant there is in my attempts to lead those I meet into a God-saved life. I did all this because of the message. I didn't just want to talk about it. I wanted to be in on it. Oh, that verse gives me chills. That is such powerful, powerful words from Paul. You may be more familiar with the NIV where he says, I have become all things to all people so that um, by all possible means I might save some. In your life, are you? Do you feel yourself becoming all things to all people? Do you want to become all things to all people? Or you're like, no, 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 no. That's for Paul. That's for Jesus. That's for the evangelist and the pastor, the preacher, and the missionary. No, it's not me. No, this is us. This is our mission. And it is possible for us to be doing it uh, for him. Healthy evangelism. <laughs> Healthy evangelism is being able to adapt or translate the message of Jesus into different contexts. Being accommodating, being kind to people like we talk about, not smashing all the stuff that they believe or uh, are into. Um, how about we be educated? That's called apologetics. I know why I believe what I believe. That's important. And I know why other people might believe what they believe. I, I know about other religions. I know about other philosophies. This is Paul. He was very studied. Very intelligent. And he's like, you Greeks believe this? Let me tell you about this unknown God. You Jewish people believe this? Let me tell you about the scriptures and how the Messiah is in the Old Testament that you believe. He, he knew the starting points. He knew how to reach people right where they were at being educated. Always listening? Are you willing to always be learning? I don't know everything yet. Are you willing to grow uh, with other people and always seeking to understand? Try and understand where people are coming from. Walk in their shoes a little bit. Try to get inside their head why they do what they do so we can creatively tailor uh, our approach of Jesus to that person specifically because that's going to be the, the best way to do it. You know, If you have a standard uh, gospel presentation, you're a sinner. Jesus... Uh, you know, uh, God punishes sin. Jesus died for sin. You need to repent and forgive. That does look good. That's great. But you say that same line to a hundred different people, um, you, you're going to get a hundred different results maybe. Let's tailor it to that person. A lot of people aren't going to be impacted unless you know. Build a bridge between them like Paul. Get to know where they're coming from, why they're doing what you're doing, they're doing. Understand who they are a little bit more and, and what they believe and then once you sort of get inside their head, then we can say, hey, uh, you like fishing a lot? Let me tell you about 
the fisher of men. Oh, Jesus. So it's kind of like puns a little bit, you know, but uh, we're, we're sort of, we're tailoring the message. Tailoring the message, specifically, creatively speaking the language of their culture. Mm. To reach the culture. That's our mission. Uh, in short, we are meeting people where they are. We're going to sing our last song. Uh, I hope this is helpful. Uh, next week we're going to talk more about evangelism specifics. But this is like the, the foundation of evangelism. Ah, what do I do? Well, how do I just start by getting to know the person? Like Paul building a bridge, building a relationship, seeing where they're at, why they believe what they believe. Uh, I want to uh, look at... Well, at the end of this passage, uh, we see... Paul's words <laughs> with a mixed reaction. Um, we want to hear from you again, some people said. And some mocked him. And some joined him and believed. Okay, When you and I share about Jesus, we're going to get mixed reviews. <laughs> Jesus is going to get mixed reactions. We're going to get mixed reactions. Some people are going to mock you, make fun of you. <laughs> you believe in Jesus? That's dumb. It's going to happen. We need to build a little bit tougher skin. Uh, some people might be more interested, like, uh, could you give me some more information? Other people might believe, and they might convert, and they might repent, and they might follow. So just be ready for any of those reactions. But even if people around you that you're sharing with, they don't just commit to Jesus that second and you go baptize them in the great Miami River right, right then and there, know that you're planting seeds. You're planting seeds for the gospel. God is watering them. God is growing them in people's heart. Trust Him to do that process. It's our mission. It's our job to share. And this is tough. I'm not saying it's easy. Okay, I'm saying we're called to do it. I'm saying we're commanded to do it and to step outside of our comfort zone and be on mission for God. So, who around you this week? Could you step outside your comfort zone? Maybe you get somebody's face in your head. Maybe you get uh, a name. Write that down. Who could you step outside your comfort zone and, and open up a deeper conversation at work, at school, at home, in your neighborhood? The, the neighbor that you've waved at for 20 years, but you're not sure what their name is. You've never really talked to them. Maybe introduce yourself, although after 20 years it might be awkward. But maybe uh, say, oh, can I borrow an egg? Hey, well, how do you spell your, your last name? And I'm like, Smith, S-M-I. Oh, yeah, 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 you're right, you're right. But <laughs> that might not always work. But get to know the people around us and speak the truth to people in love. Truth and love, truth and love. It could change their life. This is what God, the work that God's called us to do and to change their eternity. So let's stand and praise the Savior who changes our lives and our eternity. His name is Jesus. And I hope that you know him.
think we have the words to express our full gratitude or that we ever will for what you gave us, the gift of Jesus, the Messiah, died in our place for our sins, gave us abundant life that starts today and goes on forever. We could thank you every day, all day long, worship you, praise your name, and it still would never convey our heart's gratitude. But we do love you. And we thank you so much for loving us first for forgiving us, giving us grace and mercy that we didn't deserve, that we could never earn. Because you're just that good. And I know that everybody's dealing with something here. Uh, everybody has their ups and downs, their health issues and uh, problems and uh, difficulties and relationship drama. Help us to know that no matter what we got going on in life, you are still God. You are still good. Help us to follow you every day and every way and, and to have courage and boldness to speak your name and bring your light to the darkness around us. Give us wisdom, Lord, for what we're going through right now. And wisdom most of all to follow Jesus and praise your name. In his saving name, everybody said, Amen. Amen.